everybody in Facebook world. It's the Four Guys Roundtable Show. We are back for, I don't know, whatever the hell we do. We're just back for whatever we'd like to do. How are you guys this evening? I'm doing Wunderbar. Wait, what? What language was that? Wunderbar. The Wunderbar. <laughs> I took my own spinny action on the Wunderbar. Patrick, did you get a haircut? I see the hair on the top of your head is a tad bit shorter than it was before. Yeah. You're fine. You're lying. You got all the hairs cut, not just one. <laughs> no, it's, um, I've uh, mastered new technology. Ooh. Uh, that just makes my hair appear at different lengths when I feel like it. Is, is that that special lighting you got in the background? Is that what it's doing? No, no, it's nothing to do with lighting. It's just an optical illusion. I can make my uh, hair be, appear much longer right now if I wanted to, but I don't want to. So there. I would love to see Pat <laughs> grow his hair out and see if he can see if it gets curly and he could grow a sweet ass fro. Nope. Nope. Oh, nope. Damn. We should just get a wig for him and make him put it on. And I, I want to see him <laughs> with like semi long hair. <laughs> that would be spectacular that's something you should you should think about pat for halloween i'm really uh i do not have curly hair yeah i've known pat we've known pat well i know aj's known him longer but i've known pat for what 15 years or so now and i've never seen him with really much longer hair than what it is now me guys have never really seen me that way either well yeah but i know why you just like to shave your head because you know you're lazy bastard. So, <laughs> damn straight. Um, as long, where it is right now is as long as it gets, and it still looks like he uh, didn't comb your hair. <laughs> it naturally um, parted down the middle, not because of a comb. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, how long have we all known each other? That's a. Uh, I just uh, lose track of time as time goes on. I met. Pat first. I would have been in um, 2003. And then I met Jeez. Joe. Jesus. And I met 2003. 2004 is when I met Jeremy because that's when I started working at Champs. So, yes. And I was advised by a, a gentleman that worked there. He's like, you don't want to hang out with him. <laughs> I was like, cool, <laughs> right. Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> he, was big, he was a big fan of yours. <laughs> Oh, well, obviously you didn't listen to him, Jeremy, and it turned out for the better. Well, I, I have a tendency not to necessarily listen to everybody I talk to. I take some people's <laughs> opinions for what it's worth, um, and uh, that one I kind of took it for what it's worth mm -hmm. and said, well, let me get to know this guy. And I'm not going to lie. I mean, when I first met you, you were very uh, – I'm you, strong. You're well, I, I do. Yeah, you're a little annoying. He's an acquired like, taste. Who is this dude? <laughs> Some taste. champ. <laughs> That's that's how the the people I work with are always like. Sometimes Matt customers they don't know you, so they don't get you. Like we all know you, like the people I work with, so they're like we know what to expect. But sometimes customers don't know how to take me, so I rub them the wrong way because you meet them for fifteen seconds or a minute, and I always look like I'm pissed off and I'm not smiling. So. Well, you know, with it, I've learned with customer, any kind of customer service job, you have to stroke the customer's ego a little bit. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Most of my, all of my retail friends have 
their fake retail version of themselves. There's no fake retail version of Matt's. It's you just get what you get with me. Right. And and I kind of, I've come to this conclusion <laughs> is that the, like you your personality would you would be fired from a corporate style setting <laughs> like within a, two three months because <laughs> you had you, and, and there's nothing wrong with who you are i'm not trying to say that i'm just saying like in a corporate world like you have to kind of be very cognizant of everything you say and that's not who you are not to say that yeah. you're rude or in, disrespectful in any way but you're not offending me. I know exactly what you're yeah, saying. Here. You're not. You're fine. not. You're. You, you would. You would offend somebody not even trying because that's just the kind of. You know. That's how your personality is. You can't always speak your mind to the fullest in that yeah. type of position. Yeah. So corporate and and that's that's something that I had to learn. Like when I first started in in, in the with the company that I work with currently, working in retail and working in a corporate office is so fucking different like you could like retail you can talk like i shouldn't say you can but there's like kind of this unspoken kind of brotherhood of retailers like you can kind of talk to each other in a very different language and curse and stuff like that not near customers of course but you know to each other right and you can't really do any of that shit in a corporate world it's like everything you say could be misinterpreted misunderstood um oh, yeah you know certain words you can't say because you know that that's pot we've got pat smacking you know. himself meanwhile so he's like so. Oh, i've done that before <laughs> i smack myself across the face yeah because i i remember no, yeah you, you gotta be careful yeah i mean i remember i was messing around with one of my buddies and and this is when i realized that i was not in retail corporate <laughs> you know i was in corporate corporate and mm -hmm. i had i was probably there three months at this point in time and one of my buddies used to sit on the other side of the wall from me because we had cubicles so i stood up on my you know i start. i'm like dude dude like it was the end of the day phones are dead like nobody like everybody's just standing up and talking by the end of the day so i was like trying to get his attention and i flung a rubber band and it hit him in the fucking glasses it's like scared the <laughs> shit out of him he's like what the fuck man i'm like oh shit I'm like uh okay i guess i can't act like a child here <laughs> yeah it's 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 very few and far between and it uh you gotta make that specific friendship with people in the corporate world to technically get away with stuff like that and joke around you know well we've, for the most part i go ahead We've bored Pat already. He's going through his uh, DVDs or CDs and like porn collection. <laughs> Are you about yeah, to play us some I, great I, cheeky I music? A, wow, chicka, wow, wow. I had a tragic moment uh, this week, though. So uh oh. Did you? My, uh, you popped my your blow up all? My, exter my external hard drive ceased to work. Oh, I did see that. I did see that. That is no bueno. Uh, yeah, especially since that's where I'm basically storing most all of my stuff. So, mm. um, shit, that went to porn collection. Damn it! I did, I did still have um, some backup discs here, but they're from a long time ago at this point. So I don't know how much data I've, I've actually lost. The biggest problem is going to be trying to recreate my iTunes library. Uh, so you know. Uh... That's I mean, I, have, I still have like, you know, I still have comments. all my CDs and 
What'd you say, Jerry? I said Pat is. Pat has developed this ability to completely ignore <laughs> inappropriate comments when he's trying to state to make, make a point. Uh, he I'm, does. Sorry, I'm, not, I'm not listening to you right now. Um, the, I, well, I wasn't the one made the comments. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I was proving what you were saying. That was the joke. Oh, man. Anyway, my but the biggest pain in the ass is going to be recreating my iTunes library. It's like I have all my CDs. I can just re-download everything I've re-downloaded from iTunes. But it's like getting my play, making sure I don't like lose like my playlists and shit like that. It's going to be uh, a bit of a pain in the ass. So yes, indeed. I actually just started making playlists on Amazon Music since we pay for that instead of trying to buy music all the time. I can create playlists there. Um, since we pay them ten dollars a month for that shit, I do I do my stuff on Spotify. So that's... Yeah, that's where my one daughter does all her stuff. I don't like Spotify. I think it's kind of fucking clunky for a for a, a streaming it, it, system. It probably is. I just I don't I don't have like I have like ten playlists. I don't have a ton of shit on there. So uh, the interface is a little weird. It could be better. I would say that I use Spotify as well. But. Oh yeah, yeah. Just I don't streaming stuff. I just don't like having everything, you know, there. So. The youngest person of the group likes the old school way. Well, I it's like streaming's great for certain things, but you know, you don't own anything. You know, they they, they could take it away from you with the drop of a hat. So that's why I'm yeah. never gonna give up physical media. So. No, I still have I still have my CD cases of all my CDs. A little scratch, they might like skip a little bit, but you know I still have all those. Um, and the and the funny part is, I have a feeling people just like I I posted something on Facebook a couple months ago. I was listening to a Michael Jackson cassette tape, and some people like like to post it and put some stuff on, you know, made some comments. But I don't think people really realize I was actually playing the cassette tape in the car like i was playing a cassette tape in the car i have a car that has a cassette tape player in it now that's kind of i had that old of a car that I know has a cassette tape player in it. were you driving you weren't driving your freaking um at the, at the kia no you weren't driving what the hell were you no. driving that has a cassette player so so since my dad has has issues with his back and his legs mm-hmm. especially since he fell um, and an icy day and it fractured his vertebrae in two spots. Mm-hmm. He couldn't, his car was, his Mercedes, old Mercedes was too low to the ground. So it's hard oh, for him to get in and out of the car. So that car is a 99. So it's what, 22 years old. So it has a cassette tape player that you can't see. A little thing folds down and you put the cassette in, but it has a CD changer in the trunk. But that, you know, it's 22 years old. So, you know, some of the electronics don't work as well as they used to in the car. But it is what it is. So uh, I found some cassette tapes, Michael Jackson that I had, some Guns N' Roses, um, two live crew. Nice. Um, what else did I have? I think I found a Run DMC tape and uh, a couple other cassette tapes. I have, um, oh, geez. So back in the day, I don't know if any of you guys uh, got these CDs, but I used to go to Seaside Heights a lot. And at the far end of the pier, the boardwalk, there used to be a, a, a music uh, store there. They used to sell like um, um, burnt CDs, 
all the time. It was from like Hot 97, Hot 98, all the, like the New York and some of the Philly stations that are playing the most mm-hmm. up-to-date music. Uh, so I used to take those and, and I used to buy them from there. But I, I kind of like would record them onto my uh, cassette tapes as well. Because um, I had an old car that actually had a cassette tape player in it. And then I bought like a um, a CD changer and like hooked it up in, in my uh, old Plymouth. Mm-hmm. So I would play the cassette tapes as well. So I found old mixed cassette tapes Ooh, in a box tapes. when my when my parents moved moved out of their house uh, last year. So I was rocking some of those old old uh, early uh, I'm sorry late eighty late nineties uh, early two thousands uh, you know uh, cassette tapes. So like I posted on Facebook and like I don't think people realize I was really listening to a cassette tape in a car. <laughs> So for all for all our younger generation out there, yeah, cassette making mixtapes goes way way back to the tape. Hell yeah, you know you made your mixtapes off the radio, like right. with the little tape listen, on it, and you had to listen for your song. Yeah, you listen yep. for your song. You're like, oh shit, it's on. Hit the play. Boom, record. record. <laughs> Stop. Wait for the next cool song. Boom, record. And you always hate it when the DJ would like interrupt it with like the last ten seconds yes, to go like, yes. damn it. <laughs> Like, bro, Stupid DJ, up. you're screwing up my song. <laughs> I have, I found some of those cassette tapes too that I, you know, was doing from the from the radio and stuff like that. Oh, it was, it was great. It was oh fun to see those cassette tapes. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, and if you were, you know, if you're really cool, you had two boom boxes and you play the one yes. boom box next to the other one. Yes. and record from That's your right. friend's tape. I had a couple friends that did that. When you have brothers like I did, we, we had multiple ones, so it was easy. But you had to be careful. You don't play it too loud because then it would get distorted on the recorded one and yes. like, sound funny. <laughs> when, I oh, used yeah. to do, when, I, when I used to do that, my sisters would always be doing something in the background and their voices would always be picked up. I'd be like, shut up. I'm trying to do something. <laughs> I'm trying to make great music on my cassette tape right now. Damn it. It was so great. True. So, so- Joe, Adam, I was going to send this to you guys earlier. Adam sent me this uh, meme today. And, of course, it's our favorite subject, so we don't need to linger on this for too long, but it's, it's funny. It's, it's a picture of Jordan and LeBron, and it says, for Le- Jordan, it says the GOAT, and for LeBron, it says the GROAT, greatest recruiter of all time. <laughs> Dude, send that to me. I want to see if I can share that out. To... It's, a, it, it's a GOAT, like the GOAT's pissing on the ground, too. <laughs> that was fucking great. Send that. So I will. I will send it to you, Jeremy. I will send it to you. Yeah, I want to see um, if I can share that here. Whenever, whenever Adam sends me stuff, it's usually this kind of funny stuff. So I, I, I send it just to you, Jeremy. Okay. <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> you guys would get it, especially after Jeremy when he texted earlier about Shannon Sharp. Ah <laughs> uh, yes. Now, what are you talking about, Chance? Stop, Paul. Shane Sharp's one of my favorite Broncos players of all time, but as far as an analyst, he can eat shit. (laughs) Are you trying to be part of Shane Sharp? I don't understand what you're doing here, man. (laughs) Yeah, he's. uh... I mean, basically, what I'm doing right now is very offensive, but I mean, it's just the way it is. You don't understand what he said. Oh, man. Jeremy's having a problem sharing it. Yeah, I'm trying here. I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh, do oh, come on or do not. There is no try. <laughs> Shut up. 
freaking ass. This person covered from the dark side. Okay. <clears throat> oh, geez. I forgot about the Bad Batch season finale was this Friday. Shit, I haven't watched start it. watching the damn show. <laughs> I keep forgetting Pat, to start watching the damn thing. Pat, you got to. It's good. There's a I lot. Know, I know I have to. This is this is this is the problem I'm finding with living alone. Is that I find most days I'm like, what am I supposed to do? There it is. There Watch go. Disney Plus. <laughs> so- oh, I see the goat over here pissing <laughs> behind the brawn. <laughs> So there we go for all our fans. As and once again, we're not all LeBron haters. We just hate the fact that this is always a discussion anymore. It's so ridiculous. So so many. It's not times. that we hate LeBron. It's just that we hate LeBron. <laughs> I mean, some of yes, us hate yes. LeBron. <laughs> That's funny yes, though. Yes. Yeah. The Groat and the Goat, greatest of all time, greatest recruiter of all time. <laughs> I actually, I actually days. figured it was more of a. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Not that we hate LeBron, is that we hate talking about LeBron constantly. Well, yeah, it gets it gets annoying. Same and I'm sure that the, it, it was the same way. The same. When, <laughs> I'm sure it's the same. It was the same way when Jordan came onto the scene and started getting all his hype and stuff like that. You know, for people who were like Larry Bird or Magic Johnson fans, they got sick of hearing it because at one point in time, those guys were considered possibly the greatest of all time. Yeah, but you know? the, 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 the only difference is we like those guys you're talking about. We got to see Jordan play against those guys. We didn't get to see LeBron play against Jordan. So it's a little bit yeah. different because we got to see those guys play against Jordan. And, and even as a Bird and a Magic fan, I knew Jordan was like something special. And both of those guys also knew that he was something special. <laughs> yeah. So it would have been nice. You're right. I think, I think we'd have a lot less debate if we would have had the opportunity to see LeBron play against Jordan or even some of the other great old time players of the game. Like if his, if his career started earlier, you know, just, I, I, I mean, a... we kind of did. I mean, let's, let's, let's see what, uh, what's Kobe's record against LeBron. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I have to look that up. I, I actually, uh... there was a, and while Jeremy's looking that up, I'll bring. I brought this up. I told Joe about this. There was a there was a, there's a there's a younger kid or a younger guy who I'm friends with who he's in college right now. He was uh he was actually at my wedding. Um, he he's a huge LeBron guy, and I've I've had debates with him. I, I think he knows what he's talking about, so I don't think he he's just 20 years or 20 something years younger than me. But he did uh, like after Westbrook went to the Lakers. He posted something about super teams, and I told him that I think LeBron is the king of the super team, and he got offended when I said that. And he then tried to explain to me, and and, and Joe is completely with me on this one. He tried to tell me that it's only a super team if they win the championship, and I said, no, you can try to build a super team and lose, and it's still a super team, and he was very adamant that it's only a super team if they win. So we got into this big argument then. Okay, so I, I don't want to have the super team debate because I actually think we should do a podcast on what a super team Okay, okay, is. Like, we can do that. You're right. And go Let's back to history that. and look at some of the Let's super teams. Like, there, we can go is, back. there is one super team. Okay, one. 92 Olympics, yes, we know. <laughs> Superman. I knew it's going there. (laughs) Of course. Um, All right. So I don't know if I'm I'm going to hope that this is accurate. I mean, the '92 Dream Team is obviously the the 
definition of a super team in terms of like, and obviously it's for a special event that you being the Olympics and everything, but yeah, still that's the super team by which all super teams have. So LeBron won most of the games against Kobe. Yeah. Out of 22 times that they met, they never met in the postseason, <laughs> but it looks like uh, Kobe was, uh, was 16, uh, six in yeah. LeBron's favor. They never met in the playoffs. Interesting. Nope, because neither team, uh, co- the Lakers were never going to the to the. Well, no, they actually the Cavs choked. The Cavs choked that one year when they were the number one seed when they lost to Orlando. And like the NBA was banking in 2009, they were banking on it being the, the LeBron versus Kobe, and then the Cavs choked against Orlando in the mm-hmm. some in the conference finals that year. So then nobody they never got that. Like, and the NBA wanted that 100 percent that year. So. Mm-hmm. So, and, and of course they break down their stats. Like I said, I don't know how accurate this is. I've never seen this site. I've never been on this site. This was just the first one that popped up, but, uh, no, that one, I've been on that one before, Jeremy, that one's pretty, pretty good. Okay. So uh, I mean, I mean it's, like, it's, it's, it's not quite the same thing, but I mean, I was the only reason I was making reference to that, that never meeting in the playoffs was because during the Yankees game today, they were playing the white Sox and, um, they mentioned that the Yankees and the White Sox have never met in the playoffs in any way. And it said that the White Sox were one of only four teams out of the, you know, other 29 teams in baseball that the Yankees have never played in the postseason. And I had to sit there and think of the wait a second, is that actually right? And I realized, yes, it is. The only teams the Yankees have never played in the playoffs are the Blue Jays, the White Sox, the Rockies, and the uh, Nationals. So, that's a, good, that's a good that's a good segue pat now we can talk about how awesome that game was thursday the field of dreams thing was pretty cool the other night so yes. well up to, up, up, to, up to a point well i mean obviously the ending wasn't cool for me and you but the whole concept was pretty cool no i think i think they definitely i think they definitely did it right the presentation was great i mean i kind of stopped watching after like the first four innings because the yankees starting pitcher was shit again but the way that they started it with, you know, I'm coming out of the cornfield with Kevin Costner with the music from the movie. It was all awesome. And then having all the players come out of the cornfield. Yeah, that was that was pretty fucking cool. They were the children of the corn. And if now you just totally ruined the moment, some bitch. <laughs> and if we if we wouldn't have blown that game, Pat, we would have swept him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Every freaking game was, you know, nerve-wracking as shit. But, yeah, you know. It was funny to see because as soon as that happened, they put up a meme. New York's the only team to lose in Iowa. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You you knew that was going to happen. No matter which team was lost, that meme was going up. Yeah. That that meme was happening no matter who lost that game. Yeah. Now, I mean, they've they've said that they're going to do it again next year, and I think it should definitely be a National League matchup. And my dad even said Cubs-Cardinals should be – should probably be the uh the 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 uh the the game yeah um yeah my I think is, you, know, you, you can't do that every single year it'll it'll lose the novelty real fast so maybe i think they uh dave ross from the cubs actually kind of almost slipped and made the semi-announcement that they are going to be one of the two teams doing it next year i'm not sure if it's gonna be the same plot spot because i've heard about um them doing something for the Sandlot movie. Yes, I was going to say it'd be cool if they do the Sandlot. That's a rumor. We'll see if uh, that goes down. Well, that it's just like 
the I don't think they've lost the the luster or the experience of the game that they play outside. What is that? Right after New Year's, they play that hockey game outside, yeah. the outdoor hockey game. Winter Winter classic. classic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't think yeah, that's, that's lost its luster, and that's been that's, going on for quite they, a few for a long time now. Yeah, but they they vary, but that also is a variable location. Right. So, I think they have to vary the location. You know, with yeah. with the Field of Dreams game, if they're going to do that, like make it a odd remote location where baseball's not normally played, something significant yeah. like the Sandlot, because um, there's so many different baseball movies. Like they could legitimately do it in a lot of different places that don't have baseball towns. Yeah, I think the thing with hockey in the Winter Classic is that they they out for the Winter Classic, they kind of created the Stadium Series. And kind of did it in this, like right after the Winter Classic and stuff like that, where I think they'll get a little too carried away with it. Mm-hmm. If you just do the Winter Classic the way it was, I think that was cool. You know, putting hockey rinks and other types of stadiums for an outdoor event was awesome. Stadium series is so cool to extent, but I think kind of, I think baseball needed that, <clears throat> to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Baseball needs something like that because that was the highest rated baseball game, I think they said, on Fox or on network TV since like 2004. Five. I think it's yeah. I think what I saw was the highest rated regular season game for Fox yeah. in 15, 16 years, something like that. So, yeah, well, yeah, 5.2 million I, viewers. When I see baseball people game. posting about the field of dreams that I've never even known to actually watch any baseball that watch that, that, that tells you something about you know the significance of that and the spectacle of it, yeah. I mean, football goes to, you know, London and shit and basketball does, I don't know, basketball in Mexico or some shit like that, but that could be done better too. Oh, pip, pip, cheerio, Mike. Did you, (laughs) did you see the, uh, I just saw this when I got home. Did you see that? I I guess it was during the Bears game where one of the announcers was like, this is the most anticipated debut in Chicago until Friday night when CM Punk debuts on AEW. <laughs> yeah, NFL Network did that. He was, they were doing highlights of the game, and he said, presumably until next Friday when CM Punk shows up for AEW and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, here we go. It's the talk of the town. Yeah. Are we going to briefly talk about that? Of course we are. This that, that Friday night has the potential to be, like, the biggest night in wrestling in the last, like, five years at least. So... Yeah. It also has the potential to be the worst. It's got to be done right. It just, yep. you know, it, it's Not one of those going to be a clusterfuck. Yeah. It's got it, it's got to be done. <laughs> like if he does not appear on that show on Friday night, <laughs> it's why over. Should you, why should, why should you believe any of their hype bullshit ever? No, but that's that's the thing though. This is not WWE. AEW knows where they stand with people. That 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 building will will literally riot if he doesn't show up that night. That place is going to be everybody's going to be pissed off. That's a WWE stunt. I don't think that I don't think AEW is in a position to pull the rug out from under people's like feet right now. I think they know where they stand, and and I just I can't imagine them doing that i just can't <laughs> so and, I mean, and they've definitely been teasing it hard enough too so that's the thing i i don't i just I, there's no way that he's not showing up that night you don't get that building <laughs> for that show and call it the first dance and all the shit they're doing they're not even advertising anything for that night yet like like 
going into the rampage this past week, they had announced what was going to be on there on like Tuesday. They have not announced anything except Darby's fighting the best in the world or whatever. That's the only thing they've really like, and they haven't even officially said that's happening. So they've not teased anything other than it's the first dance and the building it's being held in. They've said nothing about who's fighting or anything. So I just, I, they're the way a shitload of viewers Friday night for that show, though. And I told Joe that CM Punk is going to break Sting's record for fastest selling shirt in AEW history. So, <laughs> yeah, probably. And yeah, this definitely. this past Friday was actually a really good between SmackDown and the and the Rampage. It was actually a pretty entertaining night of wrestling. Like it, it, both shows were pretty good. Seeing Roman and Cena verbally banter was pretty entertaining. So I actually I enjoyed both shows Friday night. So I, I heard that a lot of what they said though was a lot of uh, smarkish shit. Uh, what way? Following you. That they were making a lot of like insider references and terminology and stuff like that. Uh, that they weren't really cutting like a real promo. Uh, I don't. I didn't. That wasn't my impression. I mean, yeah. But, Roman was like, Nikki clearly got tired of the missionary position. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so how many fucking times has he said the missionary position now? Uh, this is only like the third time he's referenced it, but for him to use it in reference to that specific thing made it funny. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, already, you're already beating a dead horse. You know, the first time you do it, fine. The second time, eh, by the third time, no. You've already, you're kind of already showing me that you run out of material. So. Ooh, material. I'm just glad. I'm just glad Heyman didn't talk. I just wanted it to be between those two. Um, and they both did good. You know, Cena does always does his. Cena thing. always. I mean, Cena. This was more about Roman proving that he wasn't where he was five years ago. You know what you're getting from Cena. Cena's not going to yeah. come out and cut a shitty promo. So, and he did. He still kind of took a dump on Roman. I still think Cena looked stronger coming out of that promo. The whole one, two, three thing was, was kind of funny how he kept going back to that. And Cena was like, you ran Dean Ambrose out of WWE. <laughs> so Yeah, <laughs> you pulled that one out. I mean, Roman did fine. I think Roman did actually really good. You know, he, he's that's not his shtick to do something like that. It's not him. And he did enough to cut a promo to 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 do what he needed to do and and that whole segment he didn't overdo anything he took his pot shots when he needed to and that's really that's all i really expected from him so i thought you did really good in in regards to it and you know cena does what cena does Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of funny hearing roman make fun of him oh you do the same shtick every time you come out you know people get bored of the missionary position and so I Nikki Bella <laughs> got bored with you or whatever. And I was just like, oh, okay. So we're going there again. But nice. Nice. And then the whole D-bag stuff from Cena yeah. and, and all that stuff. So And Cena said, yeah. Roman and your your big soap soap bar looking teeth. Yeah. <laughs> and then Roman took a shot at Bailey as well, which I thought was very interesting um, in that promo. Why did well. take a shot at Bailey? Uh, I was talking about the whole carrying the program carrying the show for the past year or whatever the case may be hmm. so he kind of took a shot at her and 
saying something about her being injured, whatever, whatever, but you know, just being healed self. Mm-hmm. Overall, it was good. I enjoyed it. it. Seems I enjoyed unnecessary, it. but uh... yeah, yeah, I didn't understand the whole Bailey thing unless something's coming down the road with that. But yeah, you know, maybe a mixed tag that's... match with him and I mean, there was... Cena and Bailey and him and somebody we, else. We got to see Nakamura win the IC belt again, and like it's just and like yeah, the, the Baron Corbin stuff was kind of ridiculous, but like it was funny at the same time because he's like, "I'm poor. I don't have any more money. Can you give me a hundred thousand dollars?" <laughs> Yeah, I, to be honest with you, I watched the Cena Romans uh, promo, and I was watching another show, so I kind of went back to that and just flipped back, and that was a commercial because the rest of the show really didn't entertain me or seem too enthusing to me. Mm. And then when that show was over, I caught the end where the whole signing, which was already done, that was fine. Uh, just being heel self first to, first to face. But and then they they started, really- you know, they started Rampage with Kenny and Christian. So they like started it off with like a match that was like probably an A. So yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. It was a good match. Definitely uh, did good. Rampage was right. a good show. I enjoyed it. So I think we should get on to our main topic here. Oh yeah, we're talking yeah. about some linebackers. Yes, I don't we're talking. What? Uh, Speak up, Pat. I don't know why you think that. You usually, you're always acting like you're in charge of this or something. Well, I don't want to drag one subject out too long. So yeah, I mean, we, I'm moving it on. All right. Yeah, we, we let's be real, guys. We have about four hours on Saturday to talk about wrestling. So <laughs> coming up, yes. I was I gonna. Keep, I was gonna say I Saturday keep, is I, I the SummerSlam. I keep forgetting that it that it's Saturday, and I'm I'm yeah. gonna go over to I'm gonna I'm gonna come over to Pat's and we're gonna watch it together, and uh, be on camera at the same time. I think that's what we should do, Pat. I think I'm gonna come over to your. We house get to see you guys hold you... hands too. I will definitely hold his hand, but it won't be the one that you can see. Ah, <laughs> it's only got one I finger. Like, I want close up you sitting on his lap too. That's what I want. <laughs> I want to see him giving you a bear hug. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Do they call you a grizzly bear? <laughs> <laughs> Joe got that. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. All right. No, in all seriousness, as we are, our viewers are slowly dropping off as we're talking like this. Um, wow, we're no, we are. Off. We're breaking down. Our yeah. favorite linebackers. We have two Mount Rushmores tonight, technically. Yeah, essentially two Mount Rushmores, which we are bringing back Mount Rushmore for this episode because it's it, we haven't done it in a while, and I think it's yeah, we needed to do it. Uh, we kind of all agreed that it's time to bring back the Mount Rushmore for an episode. So we're talking 90s linebackers and 2000s linebackers, like not 2009, like 2010, that's another era. Like, we're doing those two decades, the 90s and the 2000s, talking our favorite, not the best, because that could go on arguments forever and ever, but we're talking our favorite linebacker from each era. So, you know, I think it's good that we're going to talk about some different linebackers and some of the the ones that we enjoyed watching, but then we're going to name our favorite from the 90s, and then we'll jump into the 2000s. And we actually have, as I was going through, like, uh, somebody's, like, list of greatest 50 linebackers of all time, uh, because it was nice. It gave the errors in which they, you know, the time frames in which they played. 
I realized that there were some players that played in almost two different decades. Like their career yeah. almost 20 years long. I was like, holy crap, that's in a, an enormous amount of time to be playing football, especially at the linebacker position, because those guys take a fucking beating. Like, and yeah. I, I, a beating a lot of times. I, I did. I also looked at, I probably saw five different lists of like top 25. And I'm pretty sure that the same guy was <laughs> number one on every list I saw. <laughs> yes, I believe, I believe you'd be correct with that. If I'm thinking of the same person, uh, that you are it's your, it's your buddy Lawrence Taylor. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean yeah. overall list. And which makes sense. I mean, if we're gonna talk linebackers, um, you know, even though I'm not a Giants fan <laughs> by any means, you gotta give credit where credit is due. And Lawrence Taylor, by definition, is probably the greatest linebacker that's ever played that position, just because and, and Darth Pack can go on, you know, a, a very long diatribe of probably about him forever. Um but he did something that most linebackers didn't do. Like he really could cover the whole entire freaking field. Like he could pass rush. He could, you know, stop the run. You know, he was a great edge rusher. He, you know, he just, he really could do it all. Now he also did that on drugs, but you know, maybe that's what gave, maybe that's what gave him I his extra was speed. Say it. <laughs> I had to, I had to take a little I, tiny shot. Well, I mean, no, that wasn't his whole career. He wasn't I, very like that. Much, I very much remember you and Pat arguing. Yes. yes, several podcasts ago about that. Yes, yeah, but wasn't like the drugs he took were performance enhancers. No, those no, and it wasn't even his whole career. It was only a small portion of his career. So I only joke about it, but um, and it's only because in the what uh, the Billy Madison movie, no, no the Water Boy. Uh, it was the Water Boy. Okay, that he actually that they like make a pot shot at take a pot shot at him but not directly like oh, no he says don't use drugs or whatever he's like telling kids not for people <laughs> yeah. not to use drugs no he was he was it was you know it was after he, he he's running like a youth camp and he gets you know bobby boucher to come and and participate and he asked asked him like you know how he's like so good or whatever and bobby gives this totally nonsensical answer and like LT goes, which brings me to my next point. Don't smoke crack. <laughs> and all the kids are like. <laughs> and I think at that time, I think that's one of the times where LT was actually clean. But of course, mm -hmm. it didn't yeah. last. He's had so many issues. But just a, just real quick. I mean, if, if you've never if you were never old enough to see Lawrence Taylor play, um if you just go to YouTube and you type his name and there's one guy who's got a lot of giants related videos, but he's got a bunch of LT highlight compilations, which are broken down <laughs> by like, guy, but... which, are, which are broken down by like pass rushing, run defense, pass defense. And you can just see the kind of things that he could do. And you got to remember, he was a guy who was basically the size of a defensive end and everything, but he was, you know, one of the fastest guys on the field, either side of the ball and everything. He was, he was truly one of a kind. And, he, he's the, he's really one of the few players that you can say truly revolutionized the game, the entire game. Yes. You know, they had to come up with completely new schemes of blocking and pass protection just because of him. Um, and even then it didn't, and even then it didn't work. Even then he still found ways to, to get around people. And, and that's just what, and, and some of those videos demonstrated, like they said, like, Oh, like he's coming on like a stun or like, Oh, he just bull rushes a guy. 
And, you know, he knocked 350-pound offensive linemen on their ass and would just run over them to get to the quarterback. So it was it was pretty amazing some of the shit that he was able to do. And he also wrestled at the worst WrestleMania ever. He was in that WrestleMania 9. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice try, Pat. <laughs> hey. All right. I'm criticizing WrestleMania 9 where my guy won the title at the end, remember? I know. <laughs> I'm just saying I still I still think that the, the other one was worse. Well, the, okay. He was in the worst main event at WrestleMania. Let's say the, I'll go there. He was in uh, a WrestleMania 8. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I mean, that was Hogan and Sid, so. Right, I'm taking Hogan pot shots here. Come on. <laughs> All right, so let's let's mm-hmm. talk some linebackers from the 90s. Now, one of the things that I really had a problem finding was just, like, an article or something that just referenced, like, 90s linebackers. Hard. Because, like, nobody wants to just put up, like, hey, he, here were the 90s. You know, linebackers of the '90s. Here were the the, the the top ten of the '90s. It, like those lists were very, very hard to find. So, luckily, on the list that I did find that had like the 50 greatest, they, you know, I got quite a few. Uh, and some of these guys I had never actually heard of, and some of them I did. Like Brian Cox, know who he is? You know, I, I knew him, but I had no idea who Jesse Armstead is or Mo Lewis or Mo Bryce Lewis. Brown. Most definitely Mo Lewis. <laughs> That, that guy's that guy was in an interview once and he said most definitely like 45 times in five minutes <laughs> most definitely my name is mo lewis <laughs> i mean i i'm, I'm kind of surprised you don't remember just the arm because you played for the giants so yeah there's certain there's just certain guys maybe he that blocked play. that out because he played for the giants <laughs> maybe but then you had uh bryce pop or pout Pop. Yeah, Bryce Pop. Yeah, he played, he played mostly for the Packers and the Bills. And then, uh, yeah, it was the Packers, the Bills, Jaguars, and Vikings. Um, but I know we should all know who Pat Swilling is. Yes. Like he, was, yep. he was a hell of a linebacker, that's for sure. Yeah, he was – He was. Uh, he had a lot of similarities to LT, just not quite as good. So, still a really good player. I think maybe, Jeremy, I almost, I almost think that – because nobody know we don't know who each 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 other's picking on any of these. Maybe yes. we should start with the Mount Rushmore and then talk about linebackers, so you don't name somebody that one of us is going to pick. Well, I, I'm I didn't name any of the real more popular. Okay, ones, okay, so. okay. <laughs> I know I ain't picking any of those guys. I ain't picking any of those jobbers either. But and I don't think anybody's jobbers. picking Sam Mills. Now I know who Sam Mills is too, but New Orleans Saints. Yeah, he wasn't. He, like some of these guys, like I like I said, Pat Swilling and Sam Mills. Like I know who those two guys are, and I remember them. But and they were really good linebackers. I don't know if they belong in like a top fifty though. Like that's well, Sam, Sam Mills just to talk him up for a second. He went to the same college that my parents did. Uh, tiny little Montclair State in New Jersey. They're they're a Division three school, and so. The way that he got into the NFL was that he got in via the USFL, and yep. he played in the USFL. Uh, and Jim Mora was his coach, and when Jim Mora became the coach of the Saints, he brought him along with him because Sam Mills was not a guy anybody would have expected to make in the NFL because he was terribly undersized. He was only like five nine, mm-hmm. and like so, the perception was that well, I was just way too short to be an NFL player and everything, but. You know, he, you know, he hustled and busted his ass and he was, he was an inside linebacker. So he was one more the, 
you know, the tackler type guys than, you know, like the signal callers and like, you know, the pass rushers and everything. But, um, you know, he, he's been a Hall of Fame finalist a couple of times. Like, he unfortunately, of course, passed away uh, several years ago now because uh, he had cancer. Um, and like they, they actually, uh, after like he, he left the Saints and he went to the Panthers when the right. Panthers. I remember came when he played for the Panthers. And then he then he became a coach too. They actually uh, they actually built a statue to him outside the uh, the Panthers stadium because they felt like he meant that much to the franchise. That's cool. um, yeah. So so he he had a distinguished you know very distinguished career. And again, he was a guy who shouldn't have made it. You know, so that's what was really cool about him. Like I wouldn't pick him for. To, to me, he's more of an 80s player than a 90s player, too, in, in my mind. So I, I don't think I would pick him for, for that. But yeah, he's definitely a guy who uh, you know, deserves uh, the accolades he's received. So, yeah, I want to inject him being like, yeah, like on a list of, you know, a bunch of guys. And yeah. I don't remember what number he was. Um, I, mean, I mean, I could easily bring up that list, but I, I think he oh. was pretty high towards the top of the 50, you know. But uh, so before we get into – our first Mount Rushmore for our favorite 90s linebacker. I just, you know, one of the things I don't think is mentioned enough is, you know, when we talk defense, a lot of guys talk about the defensive linemen. They talk about your defensive backs. But what I don't think a lot of people understand is how important the linebacker position is. Like the linebacker position is, in my personal opinion, is the heart of the defense. Like if you don't have a good linebacker core, at least one good linebacker your defense is going to struggle a lot because that, that linebacker really, if they're really good, they can spot like what the play is going to possibly be like, it's, Oh, it's going to be a run or, Oh, it's going to be a pass. And they help the defensive backs and the front and the defensive line adjust properly. Like I said, now you, it's gotta be a really good, a smart linebacker, a very, just a really, really good linebacker, but they really are the heart of a defense. Like if you look at some of the really great defenses over the years, you know, including the Steelers steel curtain, that steel curtain was great, but they also had a good linebacker core. Now I wouldn't say it was the greatest yeah, linebacker core, but they had a good linebacker core. Yeah, they, so, had two hall, they had two hall of famers. So. You know, so yeah, so there you go. They had two hall of famers. So you, you can't have a great defense without at least a great linebacker. They just mean so much, and I think the linebacker position gets overlooked so much because they're not making the, the you know a lot of times they are not making the fancy play. You know they're not making an interception. Um, not they're always not stats. It's harder to measure a, the stats for a linebacker sometimes. So because they yeah. do a lot of things that there's no statistic to measure. Right. So it's so that's why it's a harder position. I think it's less. There's like more measurable statistics for those for like the, the the dbs and the linemen than there is for linebackers sometimes so well yeah you can't you can't there's no way to measure the ability of a linebacker to go from sideline to sideline and still make a tackle or be part of a tackle you know and that's what some of the great ones do and you know uh, definitely not a cowboys fan by any means but the cowboys um when he's been healthy and i think he's retiring this year and all of a sudden his name is slipping my mind um but they're one linebacker. Um, shit. I hate this. I hate when I can't remember line uh, people's names. Um, um, he's a cowboy. It's okay. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> but I think he, I think he even played for Penn state. It was one, one of Penn state's yeah. grads. Sean Lee. Yes. Thank you. Sean Lee. 
Oh, he's the one with the concussion issues, right? Yeah, he's got yeah, he's had all kinds of concussions and like just he's been injury prone for a lot of his career. But he's one of yeah. those guys, like when he's healthy, you like you don't go very far on that team in the defense because he's a coast to coast. He he can go sideline to sideline and he's just one of those kind of linebackers. And that's I mean, as an Eagles fan, it's great because, you know, he's not there half the time, so their defense suffers because of that, which is great because it makes it easier to score. But, you know, when he's there, it's like, oh, shit, Sean Lee's playing like, fuck. <laughs> this is going to be a, a, a hell of a game for them to do anything. I mean, the, the Broncos won a Super Bowl because of I'm wearing my Von Miller shirt, and it was the defense mainly that you're not the offense. Peyton Manning struggled most of that year. They won the Super Bowl because their defense that year. Mm-hmm. So, I think too is great. You know, great linebackers uh, give opportunities to others. They might not get that sack or whatever or that hurry, but you know they 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 uh, need that double team uh, to free up somebody else to take uh, get the statistics. You know, in regards to that and help the defense out as well. So, those are the small things they do. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. As I was going through linebackers and stuff like that, the Eagles are one of the like there's there's players from like teams out there that have multiple players like on the top fifty. The Eagles had one. <laughs> what about the Vikings? My friend Jay said the Vikings suck too for linebackers. Um, let's see. From the <laughs> ones that I have down here. Um He told me that they suck too. Like like it's like There's not a single Viking. Yeah. Oh nope. No, I lied. Bryce Pop. He played for the Vikings in his at his end of but his career. Jay said yeah, that that's the tail end of his career when he was never. Jay said the Vikings count. have never really had a really great linebacker, so not no. in our lifetime. The only one for the Eagles was in the in the two thousands, and that was Jeremiah Trotter. The the Vikings had great defensive linemen, so yeah, yeah. All right, so let's move on to our Mount Rushmore for favorite 90s linebacker. Now we got to talk about the linebacker position a little Let's bit. see who picks the same person and who does Yeah, this could be interesting. <laughs> now, like, now, now, here's something, because there's three guys that that I have on this list that I found and, and through other searching that their, t- that their career literally did span both decades. So you, in, in my personal opinion, you could throw either any one of these three guys on either the nineties or your two thousands list, but you can only put them on one. So uh, I'll be interested to see who picks who and which error they put them. I mean, in. that's fine. You, you can, you can use somebody twice in this. Like if you need to, like somebody, I, somebody can't pick the same person twice, but you can use, right. like I could pick somebody for the nineties and then you could pick them for the 2000s. Right. This person, yeah, you can't pick them twice, but they could be used in either era. So somebody might use them for their 2000 and somebody uses it for the 90s. You know, so we'll we'll see here. Darth Pat, I'm going to with pre- this guy. <laughs> Darth Pat, I'm going to put you on the chopping block here and you get to go first. Drum roll, please. Okay. Which one are we picking first? 90s? 90s. Yes. Favorite yes, 90s sir. linebacker. 70s, Pat. <laughs> well, oh, if, if we're going back to the 70s, uh, you know, definitely got to go. With... I'm just talking about linebackers in the 90s, Pat. Which one do you think we're doing? <laughs> um, see, well, wait a minute. Here's the thing I definitely can't pick LT because nope. he was 80s. His, his no, career sir. ended in, in, uh, in 93. And he, you know, he, he missed, I, I think one of those years he got injured and missed like the second half of the season. So he, he was past his prime at that point. So um, 
but no, the guy who I would honestly pick is my 90s guy, and this is going to be a little funny because this guy also has a wrestling connection. Oh, no. <laughs> I know who he's going Yeah. <laughs> Knew it. Who'd you pick? There, there, I didn't hear it. Kevin was, Green. There, Kevin uh, Green. There, there, was one, there was one of two guys that I would that I would pick, really, and I, I'll go with Kevin Green over the other guy. a long time, too. Yeah, he, he played a long time. He played for multiple teams. He was with the Rams. He went to the Steelers, Panthers, 49ers. Um, but, yeah, he and he was kind of like a hybrid guy. Like, he was one of those guys that was, like, an outside linebacker and a defensive end at the same time. But yes, he was great. He was a great pass rusher. He was a guy who had, you know, really high intensity. Um, so, you know, he, he would out there, you know, he was one of those guys he knew was going to get the rest of the team pumped up, you know, through – what he's doing and everything and never really heard anything bad said about him in terms of like the way that he played or like the way that he conducted himself or anything like that. Um, and again, like I said, he just, he was one of the best passers. He's a guy who made the hall of fame. So, uh, you know, he's got, you know, really good credentials and everything. And, uh, you know, you'll see here, he was five time pro bowler all, but one of those times was in the nineties. Uh, all pro first team three times twice was in the nineties. He was defensive player of the year in, uh, in 1996, he made the 1990s all decade team from the NFL finished with 160 career sacks. So, uh, you know, yeah, he was, uh, you know, he was a really great player. And, uh, and of course, unfortunately he passed away last December at, uh, only 58 years old. So, um, and the other thing about it too, again, you know, just I know we're not talking about wrestling here, but when he went, in, when he went and he did the wrestling for WCW, again, it was like there was really like nobody that had anything bad to say about him in terms of uh, like he didn't treat it like it was a joke, you know, he didn't like disparage the wrestlers, he didn't think he was above. He was and he was a guy you could tell actually tried to learn how to wrestle too, so you got to give him credit for that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was so, definitely all in with the wrestling stuff. Everyone loved him when he was in WCW. Yeah, so Kevin Kevin Green would <laughs> be my pick. So okay, cool. All right, AJ, who are you going with? I don't really have a favorite linebacker in the '90s, so I don't. So actually, I'm gonna make Joe chuckle here. I'll take Latimer from the program. <laughs> Okay, and how about your real pick? I'm going to – I'm actually – the person I'm picking for both of them has the same first name. So, for this one, I'm taking Derek Thomas. Uh-huh, that's who we. That's who Joe and I talked about yesterday that you were picking. Yeah, that, that, yeah. Would, that would have been my, my uh, other consideration. There. Knew it was um, coming. He played Denver. Wreaked havoc against Denver. Yes, he did. So, I might as well pick badass. somebody from the division that – killed denver every every year <laughs> oh yeah so Derek thomas was a beast of a he was a beast <laughs> yeah that dude was crazily insane good my, my 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 dad has always felt like Derek thomas was the closest thing to lt that there ever mm -hmm. was uh yeah 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 there hasn't and he passed away too soon too some, some would say yeah. maybe ray lewis but i don't think so well ray lewis mm -hmm. is a type of linebacker yeah. So I I don't I'm not gonna I just like I said he 
I didn't really have a favorite linebacker in the '90s, so I'll just I'll pick Derek Thomas because he was really really good. Well, yeah, so. and, and and it's tough because like with linebackers, unless your team had a really great one, a lot of times you don't necessarily unless it was like a superstar linebacker from another team. It's like who were the linebackers in the night? You know, yeah. Or so. or if you like not 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 so much you, Jeremy, but the other three of us. Sometimes we, we have a tendency to follow particular guys that are from colleges we like in, in the NFL, too. So, yeah. All right. I'm going to go yeah. last. So, uh, Theo, oh. yeah. who's your pick? Oh. So, you're going last. <laughs> He's oh. still looking. He's oh, like, I don't, I don't know yet. Jeez. <laughs> so, no, I'm, I know who I'm picking. No, no, right. I'm picking. It's, it's, uh, I knew Thomas was going to be picked. So, I, uh, he was my first pick, but, you know. I'll go with uh, the other guy who I liked, and uh, that would be Junior Seau. That was my other pick, so that would have been my other pick. So, And for those of you out there listening, Junior Seau was one of the people that played both in the 90s era and the 2000s era, like literally almost paid, played 20 years. Now, Yeah, he, played a, he definitely played a long time. And now, the problem is, is that Junior Seau should have hung it up, you know, and probably not played as long as he did in the 2000s time frame. Um, and unfortunately, his, his, you know, he's no longer with us um, in that. But, uh, yeah, he, he was uh, one of those people that suffered a lot from the concussion problems that we now know about. Like, he had a lot of problems with yes, that and played did. a lot, a lot, a lot of games and a lot of downs with concussions and just yep. made them worse and worse and worse because of how hard he played and how hard he hit, like – there was a, a documentary that I watched about Junior Seau, and oh my God, that guy just practiced the way he played. He practiced the way he played. Like he played, he mm-hmm. practiced just as hard as he played, and like just always hurt and never complained. Just played, you know. Nah, he was a he was a true professional in the nineties. I mean, he played his whole career with San Diego in the nineties. He was just uh, – he was a top five linebacker every single – even his rookie year. He, he was really good at his rookie year. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a top ten linebacker his rookie year and the rest of the 90s he was a top five guy. He was just – he was just really that good. Really that good. You know, he won a bunch of awards and all pro teams and all that stuff for pretty much like all pro eight of the nine, uh, eight years in the 90s and whatnot. You know, so he was he, – he was good. He was my pick. He was always professional too. You didn't, you didn't hear no shit about him. So who's I also come... remember the, I also remember the time he dyed his hair gold. Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> well, it was because he, he he went to USC and one of his teammates was uh was the kicker John Carney who went to Notre Dame and I guess they had done a bet about the outcome of the Notre Dame USC game that year and Notre Dame won and I think that was one of the, the that was the Notre Dame USC game that I attended which would have been 1999. And uh, Notre Dame had a big comeback win and everything. So I guess like the bet was that he was going to, he had to dye his hair gold one week and he did. I remember they showed it on ESPN and everything. So it's like, yep. you know, he's a good sport about it too. So. <laughs> yeah. He was a good professional. Nothing bad to say about that guy. One of yeah. Our, again, um... it's just very, very tragic. Of course, what happened with him killing himself and then, you know, the discovery of the CTE and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that seemed to be the one that I think really kind of broke the camel's back to in terms of the, the public really starting to pay attention because we had heard the stories. We, 
And, and like the ones that were like depicted in that movie with Will, with Will Smith playing the uh, the doctor who like is kind of credited with mm-hmm. discovering it. Like you heard about like the Mike Webster's and the and the Justin Strelzik's and the uh, you know the Andre Waters and and everything like that. But when it was such a highly prominent player with Seau, you know, I think that really made the fan base really kind of, you know, really take more notice to it. And in turn, then I think that also forced the NFL to really start saying like, holy shit, like one of our signature players here. Yeah, because before that was like all the older guys having those issues and stuff yeah, like that this, in the 80s and was, whatnot right, and, and 70s and yeah, and this was somebody who was not that farly removed from the end of his career. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, he struggled a lot. But one of our viewers, um, my brother, uh, put in there Mike Singletary. Now he would be great for the '90s, but he was not a '90s linebacker. He was an <laughs> '80s linebacker. Um, I give your brother props for for throwing out a Bears linebacker. Hey, yeah, boy, I give you I'll give you thumbs 80s, up man. for that. '80s, I love I love myself some Mike Singletary. That dude was nuts on as a linebacker yeah. but yeah, yeah, he, was crazy, man. yeah he, he was great but yeah he his his career, ended, his career ended in 1992 so yeah so yeah he touched the 90s but wasn't any 90s linebacker but no, he, hey, yeah i definitely I, think of him as an 80s guy so, yeah. hey if we were doing the 80s i would definitely well theo would have picked my single yes. time, so i wouldn't have been able to for pick sure <laughs> i would have picked my single time. hell yeah so I my would. pick um for 90s linebacker is going to be Cornelius Bennett. Now, another Bama guy. Yes. Now he um, is a little odd. And the only reason I actually saw him play was because my brother is actually a Bills fan. And at that time, he was playing for the Bills. They were going to the Super Bowl. And losing. And losing. <laughs> <laughs> Sad, but yes. Um, so I got to see a lot of him because of the, all the playoff games and stuff like that. And they were big news, you know, every, uh, pretty much um, if you lived in the Northeast, you could probably find the Bills, you know, on either the one o'clock or four o'clock game if you were watching football. So Cornelius Bennett was really, really good um, when he played for the Bills. I mean, he racked up some pretty good, pretty good stats um as just a linebacker in general but uh just his time with the buffalo he spent nine years with buffalo had 52 and a half sacks and racked up 793 uh combo tackles i'm not sure exactly what they mean by combo but i'm guessing that means that uh, it was him and somebody else uh with with tackling somebody i love how they put the combo tackle in there and then they put assists and stuff like that well is is it a combo tackle or an assist man (laughs) like (laughs) he tripped him with one thing he hit his foot and then the other guy tackled him i guess that's an assist (laughs) wiped him with his hand and the other guy got him (laughs) yeah that's that's a good point though it's like yeah where do you differentiate between the two yeah but so you know one one of those hell of a players played you know got a lot of notoriety for the team that he played on but all in all was a was a really good linebacker when you look at when you when you when you look at the stats you know he was a solid linebacker and did a hell of a job so that's he, my pick for the 90s he he he's another also in the uh like in the long saga of the Indianapolis 
or Baltimore Colts uh, not having their shit together um, because, you know, the, the Colts had gone through the, uh, you know, of course, the John Elway saga back in 1983, mm-hmm. where, you know, he said, don't draft me. They drafted him and they traded him and didn't really get enough back for him. But Cornelius Bennett was the second overall draft pick in 1987 by the Colts. But they couldn't come to a contract agreement, which seems, you know, unheard of. It obviously wouldn't happen today, but back then it was it was a little more different. So the Colts ended up trading him then uh, in the uh, the Eric Dickerson trade. It was a three-way trade. Oh, yeah, the, the Colts, the Bills, and the Rams. Like you know, the the Colts got Eric Dickerson from the Rams in that deal, but also part of that deal was Bennett's rights being traded from the Colts to the Bills, and he did obviously sign with the Bills. And that's where he played the bulk of his career, like you said. And you know, that was a pretty significant trade in a lot of ways. You come right down to it, that that trade is always probably going to be called the Eric Dickerson trade, but. You know, Bennett's impact with the Bills, I, I think out of everybody who was in that trade, I'm sure Bennett's impact with the Bills was bigger than than everybody else. It was definitely a bigger impact than what Dickerson had with the Colts, to be honest. So, well, yeah, because Dickerson, um, as much as I like Dickerson, I, I want to, I'd have to look at his stats, but I'm pretty sure he was towards more towards the latter part of his career and really did his major damage with the, the Rams. He was in the second half of his career. He still led the NFL in rushing in 1988 in his first full season with the Colts, and he had one other really good season. But then after that, yeah, he started slowing down, and, and injuries started, you know, taking toll because he didn't play a full season after 1989, really. Well, he kind of sort of did in 1992, but he wasn't the same guy. But, yeah, ben, ben, yeah Bennett's impact with the, the Bills just still had to be higher than dickerson's with the with the colts so yeah yeah um, dickerson's dickerson's last thousand yard season was 89 1311 yeah. and then he played 11 games the second season with the colts well actually his third season with the colts yeah his first season with the colts he had 16 he, yeah he led the league 1659 yards he was a over 2,000 yep. yards from scrimmage that year too yeah that was his first full season with the colts because the trade was in 87 yeah, he had a good second year, and then after that, it was six seventy seven, five thirty six, and then he went to the Raiders. Oh boy, good choice there. Yeah, if you and, and if uh, I th- if I ninety two, I'm hoping I'm remembering this correctly. I know I saw, was it on Peyton's place that he talks with Eric Dickerson, and Eric Dickerson, I think, kind of alluded to the point that he was a, a Ram and didn't really kind of allude to the fact that he played for any other team but the Rams just because of how his career went after he left the Rams. So it's kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah, even though his career with the Rams didn't end that, all that well, so that was the, the interesting thing about it. Yeah, he ended up playing three games in 87 before he got traded. Yeah, it was it was because of contract disputes, and then like the strike was settled, and I guess the Rams felt that they had to make the move. You know, yeah. Yeah. All right, so now we're going to move on to some two thousands linebackers. Now, I don't think I'm going to take anybody's by talking about this one person, but there's one person on this list that, as good as he is, I absolutely cannot stand this dude, and that is Terrell Suggs. 
I cannot stand Terrell Suggs. He hypes himself up more than a hype man hypes other people up. <laughs> uh, and that's know. not to say that he's not a good linebacker. But, dude, sh- I, when he was playing, I was just like, I didn't want to hear about him. Like, I didn't, like, it, it just got to be too much. Like, him talking about himself and other teams and other announcers talking about it. And I And he played for the Ravens, and I didn't even have to watch him that much because, I'm you know, the Eagles never hardly maybe played the Ravens like once or twice you know, in a regular season game. So it wasn't like I had to see him much, but man, it was like sports center, you know, cause that's when I was really watching sports center a lot. It's like all they had, it was like, if I they don't weren't like talking about, um, if they weren't talking about freaking Ray Lewis, they were talking about Terrell Suggs. It was like, Oh my God. Pretty much. Terrell. It was one or the other, to be honest with you, as all there was. Yeah. But when I look at the 2000s, there are a lot more names on the 2000s list that I know and oh, I yeah, see play. A lot. Just it, so it almost it's it's like you went from the 90s where you had like like a linebacker here or there that really stood out that was a really great linebacker, and then you went to the 2000s where now you got a lot more linebackers coming out, a lot more reputable linebackers, well-known linebackers, and that could be for two reasons: one, maybe linebackers Personal just started too. getting better. Or coverage was better, that you got to see more highlights of guys and got to know them better. I want to say it's because linebackers started to evolve even more than where they what they were and the utility of them. You know, their use in, within defensive schemes became more. So you got to learn more and you got to see more about these guys and, and linebackers became more of a highlight in the defensive scheme. I think the other thing too was like linebackers in the 90s, you know, some linebackers played one position in high school and college and then transitioned to a different, you know, linebacker and pros where they played like the outside most of their college career. And then they go to pros and they were switched, you know, outside and then switched to inside and back to outside or, you know, depend, depending on the scheme, they were just a little more versatile to be moved around between, well, the three or four linebacker spots, depending on which, you know, defensive scheme you're playing in, but they were, they were a lot more versatile. Uh, in regards to the uh, early 2000s and the 90s. I think you saw a little bit more of that happening at the later part of the 90s when these new guys were coming in. Just because the offenses were evolving, so they had to keep up with that too. Well, yeah, I think linebackers became more athletic too. Um, and not to say yeah. like guys like Derek Thomas and, and, and certain guys like Junior Sehow and that weren't athletic. There was only think- a handful yeah, there was only a handful. I think now when you look at the linebacker position from the 2000s going forward, the linebackers are much more athletic. Like they're not – they 250 is like maybe 260 is like the max that those guys are, a lot of them, because they've got to be speedy enough to catch a, catch a running back coming out of the backfield and, and being able to tight go sideline to sideline. Um, they've got to be able to keep up with tight ends who are, you know, not most of the time do not weigh as much as them. Um and are usually faster a lot of times. So there's just the, they have to be a more versatile player, versatile player now than they used to be. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're just, they're, they're, they're high, a bigger part of the defensive scheme uh, in just in general. So let's see who, who else is on here that I know nobody's going to probably t- talk about or take. Hmm. Here's one. I'll throw this name out there um, because I, I, I know uh, AJ is, is from AJ's favorite team, but it's, he's not going to be picking him. Do you know who I might be mentioning? Uh, you're going to mention somebody from Denver? Well, yes. 
Al Wilson. Oh, yeah. He's from the University of Tennessee. Yes. Now, I never saw this guy play because, you know, you just don't get the Broncos on the East Coast unless they're playing the Eagles or somebody, you know. Um, but, yeah, he made, he was on that top 50 list, believe it or not. Um, you know, I don't I don't I know. Believe you know can you see, enlighten us anybody on Al Wilson, How uh, what kind of player he was? I thought he got hurt a lot, so I don't remember. I think I also had issues. I, I think he might have been on the Tennessee team that beat Florida State for the national title. <laughs> so there were some issues floating around there probably. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't pay too much mind to that guy then <laughs> why did my team have to draft him you fuckers <laughs> i mean that's that's what happens every year in the draft i'm like please don't draft somebody from the buckeyes please don't draft somebody from the buckeyes oh and so since we're talking about linebackers i really get sick of hearing about the buckeyes and then being called linebacker you like that's really highly annoying when did they when did ohio state start getting called linebacker that's always been penn state's moniker oh uh, they've yeah. been getting called after the past six years uh, yeah and, or see, seven. and i ish, and i ish. yeah and i have to you know being a penn state fan i hate i hate hearing that because i know how many great linebackers have come out of penn state over the you know over the the years but yeah i've heard that moniker for ohio state and i think that really who is um shit I can't think of his name. The first time I ever heard it um, was when the, the the one kid that had God. I mean, you're talking probably ten years ago now that he came out of Ohio. Oh, AJ Hawk. Yeah, when, that was the first time I heard it. Was AJ Hawk came out of freaking Ohio? Well, they had they had Katzenmoyer, but he was a bust in the NFL. And then they had AJ Hawk, and then they had James Laronitis, who was decent. So they. As much as I hate them, they have put some linebackers in the NFL. I don't know if they've done enough to like justify that moniker, but no, they haven't. But yeah, you know. But you know, <sighs> then you got Penn State who puts AJ Harrington in the NFL, and <laughs> <laughs> I I used the wrong initials, didn't I? Arrington. Yeah. Lavar Arrington. Lavar Arrington. I don't know why. Don't ask me. I, the, the, hey, the Roy, I've always admitted I'm never good. I, I names are not are beyond me. Give me a face. Roy, I'm fine. The Roy Rage King. Yeah, Lavar <laughs> Arrington. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Uh, so he his career would have been so much better had he not tried to kill people on the field. Right. Roy Rage. <laughs> I was at oh, a yeah. game where he like. Went after a kicker, like after the play was over. I'm like, oh, here we go. It's awesome, Mister Out of Control. Yes, he was. Yeah. All right. You so, know, sometimes you got to do that. Yeah, he did it. He did it twice in college. I believe he got flagged twice for uh, taking out a kicker. Well, you know, some of those kickers are cocky little fuckers. Right. So just how your, your your phone fell is how the kicker felt when he was yeah, getting destroyed. They're, 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 these, uh, they're these little soccer players who uh, think that they're all hot shit and stuff. And, well, none of them. You know, who are you talking about? Pat McAfee? McCaffrey? <laughs> McAfee. McAfee. No, well, first of all, he's a punter. Um, yeah. but, um, no. I mean, most the kickers are kicker, damn it. Most of the kickers. Are tiny, except for Sebastian Janikowski. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he was a he was he was a hefty boy. Let's he, put it that he, way. And he and he was the kind of guy who 
looks like he'd stab you if you tried to come after him. So yes. Well, with that last name Janikowski, who knows where he's coming from? He's he's he was the best kicker I've ever seen in college. Like he he was like he doesn't get enough credit because back then you had to kick the ball off from further away. Pretty much every time he kicked off, it was a touchback. Like nobody was re- yeah. getting returns again. And like I said, you were kicking from. 10 yards further back then he was a guaranteed touchback so there was no chance for any kind of kick return against florida state for three years <laughs> yeah yeah he was lefty yeah 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 yeah. all right so do we want to move on to our 2000s picks sure jar all right i'll go first you go first time. jeremy yeah you can go first I will. I will all right so let's see I am going to be a homer here, and I'm going to pick the only eagle that was on the top 50 <laughs> of linebackers. And that would, and, and I really, this is really probably one of my favorite linebackers uh, to, to watch play the game. And that was Jeremiah Trotter. Jeremiah Trotter, while his Eagles career was not super long, I mean, he did have quite a few seasons with them, but then he went to the Redskins and then he went to the Bucks. Um, he was just. You know, for the Eagles, out of all the linebackers that they've had, he was probably the biggest standout as far as, like, a great linebacker could be. Like, he had all the tools, and, you know, the Eagles do what they do best, and, you know, oh, it looks like he might be getting a little old, or, oops, he wants too much money for his position, so we're going to trade him and get rid of him, and then he comes back to haunt you and kicks your ass when you play against him, especially when you do an interdivision trade or, you know... (laughs) however that turned out i can't remember if it was a trade or if you know he just ended up signing with him they signed boy oh boy my brain anyways but he went to the redskins and of course came back to haunt the eagles you know when they played him um but jeremiah trotter was definitely just he was a lot of fun to watch and his name was constantly called when you're watching the eagles game in the 2000s or the early 2000s there so indeed so since we're going backwards and i went first that means joe you're second here comes a surprise yeah (laughs) if he doesn't pick this person i would be surprised (laughs) what 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 you you, what you want me to pick somebody from my team (laughs) i mean okay i'll pick lance briggs all right oh my gosh Of course, I'm going with Brian Urlacher. How silly people! Jesus, God, Hall of Famer! Come on, pass on my Hall of Fame linebacker, (laughs) the Urlacher, 28th elected Hall of Famer. Come on now. Yes, my guys, Brian Urlacher. That surprise? No. (laughs) He's also he also is one of the best linebackers I've ever seen, though, and I didn't. I don't like the Bears, but I Erlocker was respectable and like he was like he it was okay to like Erlocker even if she didn't like the Bears. So Erlocker was that new that was he was that guy of the the early two thousands who uh can uh, cover out almost anybody. You know, he, he covered slot receivers as well, but he was covering wide receivers, slot guys, linebacker um tight ends, running backs. He was able to go side to side very well. Um, go back and I think he was the, 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 the biggest thing with him was coverage. I think he's the best coverage linebacker of the 2000s, to be honest. 
when you play in, you know, the Tampa two that he, he played in, uh, to become very popular. He mastered the Tampa two. He was able to, to, to go back in coverage and tip, you know, that's another thing. That's another stat right there. Uh, mm-hmm. tip balls, you know, defensive backs get, you know, credit for, uh, certain coverages and pass breakups, but, you know, tip balls really isn't a pass breakup when it's, you know, in, in that category. And he did a lot of that stuff too. Um, in regards to that, uh, you know, you know, fumbles, interceptions, fumble recoveries, defensive touchdowns. He did a lot. He did a lot. So that's, that's my, uh, Brian Erlacher there. Yeah. Okay. I'm done. His resume speaks for himself. So let's go okay. Superman shirt boy. No, I'm okay. <laughs> a very interesting, um, story. So of course my oldest daughter was telling me this today, uh, about, when her and her brother used to play uh, the EA sports or whatever football game they play, that they were playing, she'd always end up being like the Bears. And since she didn't know how to play the game, the easiest position to play when you're playing on defense is the linebacker. Linebacker. So she was always, she'd always tell her brother, "Put me on the Erlacher." So it was, <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> Put me on just... the Erlacher. <laughs> Best choice right there. So it was just funny. I mean, she went braced, but you know, put me on the Erlacher. But yeah, she was just telling me this, and I'm like, yeah, we're talking about linebackers, and I know who Joe's picking for the 2000s <laughs> linebacker. Like, it's inevitable. <laughs> so it's just like really funny to hear. To, like, no other that. choice. Come on. But yeah, Lance Briggs was on that that list of uh, top 52. So you had two years from he, the he, 2000s he, that were in there. He doesn't get a lot of credit, unfortunately. He had a lot of good stats. He was he was up there for top linebackers as well. You know, I think it's just mm-hmm. overshadowed by what Erlacher did. Well, yeah. You know, they it's... played off each other a lot. They helped each other p- together immensely. So it's a shame. He doesn't get a lot of credit that he deserves to. Yep. All right, AJ. Wait, hold up. on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on before he goes. Um, okay. Let me let... <laughs> slowly roll ahead. Wait, where'd it go? Uh-oh. Fuck. <laughs> you hear it? You, would, no. you can't hear this? Nope. We can hear it. No. Nope. I heard it for like a second. Yeah, we could hear a little snippet, but nothing like concrete. I was cueing the FSU chant for because I know who he was picking. <laughs> Come on, Mike. You can talk to my voice, but you can't pick up some damn music. Squires and ladies, Robin gets another shot. Let's give him the chop. <laughs> they stole from Sam. Oh man, <laughs> I was I was trying to do the. Thanks, uh, Joe. You. I appreciate it. I feel it like if I feel like if Joe didn't pick Erlocker, the guy I'm going to pick would have been Joe's second choice. So, because Derek Brooks was a beast. So and that. I'm pretty sure that he was in the Tampa two when they came up with the Tampa two, wasn't he, Joe? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Derek Brooks was a really good linebacker in college too. Like he was a beast in college too. So he yes. he played part 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 of his career was in the '90s. So he kind of overlapped a little bit. Some of his career was in the '90s. Actually, but, it was a lot more of his career than what you probably think was in the '90s. Uh, let me go. He started in '95. Ninety-five to two thousand, and then two thousand to two thousand eight. So, but he won, he won a Super Bowl and Defensive Player of the Year and stuff in the two thousand. So, yeah, and he was one of those players that 
when we had to play Tampa Bay in the playoffs. I'm like, son of a bitch. Like, I didn't care about Warren Sapp. Warren Sapp didn't bother me. Warren Sapp was a fat sack of shit. Uh, don't get me wrong. He was a hell of a player. He was good, but I agree with you. I, I generally see him as a fat sack of shit, too. So, But oh I was more worried about... <laughs> I know, I shouldn't talk about people like that. I was more worried about Derek Brooks because he was... He was going to be the it factor. Like, Warren Sapp was going to get pressure, but I wasn't so worried about him getting the sacks. I was more worried about Derek Brooks as an Eagles fan playing in the playoffs. And you're right. I shouldn't call him a sap, fat sack of shit. So I mean, I, nice. used, I do that, so it's okay. <laughs> Brooks, Brooks was really good. Like I said, they, Joe was talking about the Tampa 2, and that defense was created with Derek Brooks playing linebacker. <laughs> so I think Derek Brooks might have been the prelude to the – he might have been one of those early guys that was like a hybrid. Yeah. So was. he was a like I said, he, he was a really good. He was really good in both. Sometimes with these, with with like some of these guys, because they played at smaller schools and stuff, you may not have heard about them in college. Derek, you heard about Derek Brooks in college. <laughs> so every weekend, <laughs> definitely every weekend. So, so that was an easy pick for me. So I'm actually curious to see who Pat's going to take now. Yeah. So I'm just checking something. I'm I'm I gotta because we were talking about Warren Sapp just slightly because of Tampa Bay, and I just gotta I gotta look at something because. And if I, I'm sorry, Pat, if you if you end up taking him, fuck Ray Lewis. I'm saying that right now. Fuck him. <laughs> I don't think he's taking Ray Lewis. I would be very surprised, but... All I can say about Ray Lewis is that he's obviously a great player, and I don't think... Yes, I will not take that away from him. I don't think he's a murderer, but I think he knows who is a murderer, and... Okay, I, he's an accomplice. That's what I've always called him. Yeah. Well, yeah, he, he covered it up. <laughs> yes. And, and, hey, that's that's basically what he was convicted of. Then he was convicted of obstruction of justice. So, um, you know. Um, I feel like the NFL vilified him, and they shouldn't have. I feel like they should have maybe looked down on him more than they did. I feel like they almost swept it under the rug with him, and I don't think that they should have done that. I think that's my problem too. He also went to the U. Fuck the U. Also, so yeah, but one of your favorite wrestlers of all time. I know, <laughs> but he he was he was irrelevant there. It's not like he mattered. He he had a sack in one game. Like he didn't even matter there. So oh, the Rock. I mean, Lewis took a spot. Yes. <laughs> not my spot. <laughs> not a liver spot. <laughs> Average size, average speed, average agility, average average carpentry skills. Yeah. <laughs> what? what the rest of that the other part of that promo? Yeah. yeah. I know what he's talking about. All right. So who are you going with there, Darth Pat? Well, this is half cheating. I think I might because, know who he Oh, goes. half because, cheating. Because his career, his career, well, his career didn't start until 2005. But I feel like his impact was immediate and was often up because I think in like those 
those those five years then of what would be the 2000s from 2005 to 2009 i think it just counted up and he had like 65 sacks over those years and he, he's talking about the guy from troy and he frequently tormented the shit out of my team uh yep. and i looked this up 18 career games against the Giants. He had 46 tackles, the most he had against any team in the league, and 13 and a half sacks, the second most that he had against any team in the league. He had 16 sacks against Jeremy's Eagles. And that is the guy from Troy, DeMarcus Ware. DeMarcus Ware. He was actually named, I think, the second team of the all 2000s decade team. Yeah, he was second team for the all the the 2000s all decade team, which is pretty impressive when he only played half the decade. Um, Here's another interesting stat I found here because I found an old page when it was talking about when he retired. Only Reggie White and Lawrence Taylor averaged more sacks per game than Demarcus Ware. That's a super Super Bowl in Denver, so. Yeah. Um, hey, I remember when he left the Cowboys to go to the Broncos. I think I got down on my hands and knees and started praising the Lord. Yes, I, I really, really <laughs> disliked Demarcus Ware because he was a pain in the ass on Dallas. Yeah, yeah. It was just like I'm like, oh my God, thank God he's not going to torment the Giants any longer. And then I think the Broncos' first game maybe that year was against the Giants, and he sacked Eli again once or twice. And I'm like, well, some things don't change. <laughs> so. Well, see, that's the one thing about the, the Cowboys. The Cowboys always draft or find really good defensive players. They do. At, yeah. at least for at least their front four and their linebackers. I can't say the same necessarily about their defensive backs. No, they, they get those guys in free agency. Yes. <laughs> They pick him up on the corner around the street. You can play football, right? <laughs> yeah, so it's – it's he'll be eligible for the Hall of Fame um, for the first time uh, Will this well this, this coming season. Uh, like when they start doing like the voting process, he'll be like a first-time eligible. Oh, yeah. And when I've seen some people like, you know, kind of trying to project next year's Hall of Fame class, I've only seen him mention like once or twice, like he like he gets mentioned. It's like, well, he'll be one of the people who'll be first time eligible, but it doesn't seem like a lot of people think he'll get in first ballot. And it is harder to get in first ballot as a football Hall of Fame player, it seems like, than as a baseball Hall of Fame player. But I'm, <laughs> I'll be the first person to to vouch for him as like he should definitely be a first ballot Hall of Famer, and it's be kind of. I mean, it kind of depends on who's on, on the finalists and all that, but it's like, to me, it's like, if he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer, I'm not really sure who is. He was definitely one of the most destructive forces, you know, on defense in the league for, mm-hmm. for a decade. So, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. He, he was he was worth it, you know, completely. And, yeah, like I said, when you know that, you know, when you're going up and playing opponent, you're, you're going to be playing your team's playing an opponent and you know that that guy's going to torment your team it doesn't matter what your team does i mean that says something about that guy and like i always do that with demarcus where i didn't i knew it wouldn't matter what the giants were going to do they were just going to not be able to stop him and he was just going to kick their ass for the entire game it was just a hopeful that they could overcome it enough that they would still win the game even if he sacked eli like three times so yeah, 
He's just he's one of those players. Um, so when we look There's, at some of the other line, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, no, I was just gonna say I was gonna talk about somebody else that I'm glad nobody picked because I I always thought Zach Thomas was overrated, so I didn't really buy into him. I, I saw a list where they had him ahead of Derek Brooks, and I was like laughing at those lists because I always thought Zach Thomas was overrated. I thought he was good, but yeah, I didn't think he was as good as other guys. And I, he was also one of those guys who was like, you know, he, he was the, you know, the inside linebacker signal caller, like Mike, Mike Singletary types, but I'm like, well, he's not as good as Mike Singletary. And yeah, I never thought he was as good as like Derek Brooks either. So that's also why like the, you know, there's that funny little part since we've already mentioned it once in this podcast. You know, in the water boy, like in the bowl game, you know, they show Bill Cowher and Jimmy Johnson, you know, sitting next to each other. And Johnson was still coaching the Dolphins. And obviously Cowher was still coaching the Steelers. And I'm like, I really wanted to see that water boy. And like, you know, Cowher's like, he reminds me of Greg Lloyd. And Johnson's like, nah, Zach Thomas. And they're like, whatever, you know. (laughs) Well, the way that Bobby Boucher played was definitely more Greg Lloyd-ish than Zach Thomas-ish because – in the water boy he was constantly hitting you know sacking the quarterback so Zach thomas wasn't a pass rushing linebacker so no he definitely was not because he only had he only recorded 20 and a half sacks over his career yeah yeah he was again he was the, he was the defensive quarterback type yeah he was more like, yeah he was like singletary like Derek brooks you know but he he wasn't as dynamic i i just never felt like he was as dynamic a playmaker as some of those guys yeah, I agree. I'm not, I didn't say he was bad. I just said I thought he was overrated. Yeah, and Derek so, Brooks, surprisingly, I didn't realize. I thought he would have had more, but he only had 13 and a half sacks, too. Like, I, that's very surprising that he didn't have more because I just remember the havoc that he could wreak on a, on a defense. Well, yeah, because, again, he was more of a, you know, down-the-field linebacker. Yeah. But, so, I mean, I liked Zach Thomas. I, I mean, he was a Dolphin, so I didn't see a lot of him play except for, like, highlights from, like, you know, sports center and shit like that. But I mean, there was a, you know, Joey Porter was a, is a hell of a linebacker. I mean, that, that dude was crazy. Yes, he was. Now here's one. I didn't know. Like, I don't recognize this name, Julian Peterson. I I recognize the name, but you know, uh, he was a 49er, a Seahawk and a lion. Yeah. I don't, but I, I said, I remember him. Here's one that I'm. I was not surprised that nobody picked Teddy Bruschi. <laughs> but yeah. there's there's a guy that if you were a Patriots fan, you loved him. If you weren't a Patriots fan, you were like, "Who the hell's Teddy Bruschi?" Because <laughs> he really he wasn't like as yeah. good of a linebacker as he was. He's not like a standout linebacker. You knew who he was because he played for the Patriots, but that was really about all you knew. Like he was not like one of those like stat linebackers or anything like that. He was just he was a linebacker for the Patriots. <laughs> yeah. Julian Peterson was a guy from Michigan State who yeah he, he played for the 49ers, Seahawks, and Lions. He was a five-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro, but his career was only 11 seasons from 2000 to 2010, and I don't think his teams had a whole lot of success. So that might be one reason why he always kind of flew under the radar. Yeah. Keith Bullock, I rem- I recognize that name for the he Titans. Was, yeah, he was with the Titans, and he finished his career with the Giants, I think. Yeah. But here's one from the 90s that I, I like this guy, Chris Spielman. 
Like I liked Chris. Oh Pullman. yeah. See, I, I always thought I would always think of Chris Spielman as being more of a, uh, uh, of an '80s guy, but as I look at his stat at his uh, uh, his playing career, yeah, he actually played more in the '90s than in the '80s. Suck guy. Well, and he, and he and and the interesting, like, unless you like myself, I really like Barry Sanders. So, you know, you got. I purposely watched, like, if a if a. A Lions game came on. I would purposely watch the Lions because I wanted to watch Barry Sanders play. Yeah, I saw nothing. I did over it. <laughs> hey, I'm not saying he's better than anybody. I just like to watch him play. <laughs> I know you didn't like my him defense is saw. Yeah, you, I saw enough of him on defense. Yeah, yeah, the Bears like are like okay, good. He's retired. Not by by accident. Uh, he retired. <laughs> Thank God. Um, but no, that's that's where I got to see Chris Spielman play. You know because I you know. Not that I got to see he was a lot a of Lions games, but you know, watching. He, he was, yeah, he was also. Uh, he'd been doing color commentary for Fox for the last several years, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know if he still is because it says that he was hired as a special assistant to the uh, Lions uh, CEO at the end of last year. So I don't know if that means he's going to keep broadcasting. Probably not, because I don't see how. I don't he think does. he does. Yeah, but I, I seem to remember that I, I thought he was yeah, I thought he was decent as an analyst, though. So. Yeah. I, I can't say I necessarily remember. I mean I know I've I know I've heard him on games, but I can't I couldn't necessarily say yes he was good, no he was not. Um probably because I just don't remember how good it was or not. So it, it evidently didn't leave a lasting impression on how, on his abilities. <laughs> well, he, 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 also, he 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 also wasn't one of the um he wasn't on like one of like I think what you would call it like the top. No, he wasn't. He was one of the middle of the pack. I want to say I got to hear a lot of him last year because the Eagles never got the A team unless it was a Monday night game or a Sunday night game. They always got the B team and the C team announcers. And some of the guys, I was like, who the hell are these guys announcing this game? I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Like, yeah. Who, who is Bob Roger, Schumacher? <laughs> So yeah, we got to hear a lot of like, uh, just a lot of B teams, and I think a C team here or there for for these different networks. And I'm like, oh my god, this is so bad. Like, I, I remember it's now, tough sometimes. Not to not to say that the A teams don't mess up names, but some of these guys were saying the wrong name and like didn't even realize it. Like I'm like, um, you know what game you're calling right now? Are you sure you yeah. got the right? <laughs> Like butchery names. They were the Jim Ross of NFL. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a big two by four. <laughs> here, hey, on AJ. WWE, here on WWE Dynamite. <laughs> oh, did he say that once? He did. Yes, he did. We're gonna have good times. He also called Kenny Omega the WWE champion. Nice. And instantly Ross was fired. (laughs) No, he's not. They they actually have stuck up for him. And I'm just like, fucking fire, get him off fucking television. Like you can you can only make so many mistakes before you start looking like idiots for continuing to keep somebody like that on television. You you give them strike one, two, three, and four, and after that, okay, we're we're starting to get into problems here. Strike five, six. Pretty much. Hey AJ, you can tell uh 
you tell Jay that next year, uh, Chad Greenway is eligible for the Hall of Fame. <laughs> He's a linebacker, too. He was oh, decent. There's, there's a Vikings linebacker. So yeah, he's, not, he's not Hall of Fame worthy, though. Joe no. and I were talking a little earlier, and uh, it was, and I was telling him about this uh, podcast that I was that happened to be on the TV because I have internet TV, so it like randomly plays these weird shows and stuff like that. And the one channel that was on was Fubu TV, <laughs> and I was listening to uh, Get Your Popcorn podcast, which has got. Um, T.O. and Hatcham, which I think I think that's the guy's last name or Hatchet or something like that. Once again, don't ask me about names. I just knew T.O. The other guy I had no clue who he was, but they were interviewing. Yeah, I'm already, I'm a, you already lost me at T.O. I'm already worried. So <laughs> I'm really going to lose oh, you now that's, because that's that's actually not the bad part of it. Yeah, they, oh, were interviewing, they were interviewing Sterling Sharp. But that's Sterling the bad Sharp. part of it. Sterling Shannon, Sharp? Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp. Sharp. Okay. Shannon okay. Sharp. Not Sterling Sharp. Shannon Sharp. Okay. He's a whiz. Sterling Sharp was the other guy. He played too, but wrong, wrong purpose. So they're interviewing Shannon Sharp. Now, I'm not going to go into what they were talking about with LeBron because that's a dead horse and I don't need to beat yes, it anymore. Yes. But they were talking about Hall of Fame because T.O. didn't get into, I think, his third time on the ballot. And Shannon Sharp didn't get into his third time on the ballot. So they were talking about that. And they're, they're like, well, if they don't like you, they don't put you in on the first time. Um. I, I didn't look any of this up, but I would love, like, I know, Darth, Darth Pat, you're really quick with some of those lookups and stuff. But I don't think in most guys' case, unless they are a stud, like an absolute stud of a player in their position, make it in on their first ballot. Like, I don't, I want to say there is not a ton of first ballot NFL Hall of Famers out. Like, I think a lot of guys at least go to their second. Before. I will I will say as much as I don't sharp sharp at the time, he was like he had like they like the tight end position changed because of him. So mm-hmm. he probably could have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. He probably should have yeah. been. Right. So and I'm not disagreeing with that at all. I'm not disagreeing with Shannon Sharp being a first ballot and I'm not disagreeing with T.O. being a first ballot. And I dislike T.O. with a passion. Like actually didn't I, I was okay with T.O. not being because to me T.O.'s not Randy Moss or Jerry Rice. He's the next right. tier. So to me, Shannon Sharp is in that tier with Tony Gonzalez and right. Gronk. Yeah. He's in that tier with those guys. He like kind of paved the way for those guys. Yeah. So right, and 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 I and I completely agree with that because I remember watching Shannon Sharp, and Shannon Sharp was a hell of a tight end, a hell he of was, a, like just he really was a dick. dick. He was a dick even then. I mean, as a Broncos fan, he was entertainment. But I'm sure that the New England fans didn't like him when he was calling the phone that night. He's like, we need to get the National Guard here and whatever <laughs> to stop this beatdown. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's and I think that was like the point that he was trying to make was like, unless the voting people like you, you're not going to get in first ballot. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily think the voting people liked Randy Moss, though, either. Yeah, so see, that's the thing. Like, I don't think it necessarily always has to do with that. I think sometimes... And, and, like, I'd have to see who's on both T.O.'s and Shannon Sharp's ballots, like, when they were first initially eligible um, to say, okay, well, maybe these guys did deserve it over you based on, you know, um, who was still eligible and who needed to go, you know, who deserved to go in and who was on the voting. Like, you, can't, you just can't make a general, like, and I know these guys played, so I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to say yeah. right or wrong, but... You, you can't just make a general statement and say 
the media, if the if the people that vote don't like you, you're not going to get in on your first ballot because that's not necessarily true. It, could it be true to a to an extent? Possibly, probably is because To rubbed people had completely annex, the wrong That's way. why he's bitching about it. Yeah. T.O. definitely rubbed people the wrong way, especially mm-hmm. the people that were going to be voting for him to be in the Hall of Fame. Because it is, it, my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, is it's the Associated Press that right that votes on that, like the the, the press and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. They have a they have a say. They're they're not like the all vote, um, but there's they I think they have a portion of the vote or something like. I that. think it's I think it's a couple different outlets that have the ability to that have a vote. I will look that up. I'm surprised Pat doesn't know the answer to that. So about what? He was talking about who who like who votes for the NFL Hall of Fame. Who's who who's the voting body it's, for that? It's it's a it's a bunch of writers and everything, but it's it's a it's not quite the same as like um like the like the uh baseball hall of fame where you have hundreds of writers who are submitting ballots and you know anybody who gets 75 percent of the ballots is is inducted uh with the football hall of fame it's a much smaller um it's 48 members yeah there we go i I was gonna say 60 but that didn't sound right it's it's mostly supposed to be media members but basically like these guys all get together in a room and like on like the voting day and they like they have like the list of uh 15 finalists and like they go through like each finalist and like guys who like talk out talk them up or well, i don't know if they talk anybody down but you know they talk up to the candidates and everything and then they like they basically vote and you know they pair it to five to, to ten and then to five and then though they always usually induct those five um I think I was just oh. counting it here in terms of like guys who have been inducted on their first ballot. It's only been about 80 some people. And a lot of them have been guys who are uh, more recent. So it's, it's a little hard to judge sometimes of that. Um, there, there is, there is a thing with uh, the football hall of fame, much like there is with the um, baseball hall of fame that, you know, being inducted on like your first ballot means more, than just being inducted, uh, and, which is a little silly to me. Now, the f- process for the Football Hall of Fame does make it a little more, uh, you know, hard to get in because, you know, the Baseball Hall of Fame, again, like I said, all you got to do is be named on 75% of the ballots and they can vote for up to 10 people. Uh, you know, only at most five guys get in every year from the football hall of fame, from the list of 15 finals. There's a, other committees where they induct other people like the senior and the contributor and that thing. But um, so, yeah, there's definitely though bias where some guys just naturally don't want to vote for some guys. Um, Shannon Sharp and Randy Wallace would be guys who, you know, I would definitely say could have suffered that, you know, because there's just going to be guys where it's going to be like, oh, I didn't want to vote for him because blah, blah, blah. You know, Moss got in his first ballot because, you know, he, I think the numbers were there and everything. Um, 
T.O. did not get in his first foul. I think it took him three, three tries. So, because uh, his last NFL season was 2010, he was inducted 2018. So, uh, Shannon Sharp. Three. Jeremy said it. He was third, third ballot. Yep. He, yes, that looks like right. So, you know, it, sometimes it, it sometimes it does matter. Is but like Jeremy also said, sometimes it does also matter who else is on the ballot, and it's also very difficult for uh, multiple guys from the same position to get in. Right. In the they try and season. select variety. They do. Um, so let me let me just sometimes variety just needs to be put the guys in. Yeah. In so regards let me, to it. So it, I found the 2009 because that would have been his first year eligible because he got in in 2011. So these were the guys that were selected. Um, um, you had Randy McDaniel or Randall McDaniel. Randall McDaniel. Yeah. Yeah. Bruce Smith. Derek Thomas, Rod Woodson, and Ralph Wilson Sr., who was an owner. Mm-hmm. So you had three defensive guys, and Randall McDaniel, I'm not sure what he was. He was a guard. He was a guard. So, yep. And Bobby Hayes was another one selected. He, he, he was the, yeah, he was the senior committee. So that's yeah, senior committee. That's separate. You can't really compare that. So yeah, they're they're voted separately in regards to that one. So who, the list that was on. So here was the list of players, and I'm I'm going to share this out just so everybody can see this. Um, so this has to be a list of what wide receivers are on this list that did not make the Hall of Fame yet, too. Right. So there's there's quite a few um, well known players on here. So you had Chris Carter, uh, Dermonte Dawson, Richard Dent, Russ Grimm. Cortez Kennedy, Bob Kuchenberg, John Randall, Andre Reed, there's Shannon Sharp. So, I mean, there was a lot of good players. Not to say Shannon Sharp doesn't stand out, but, I mean, you're talking, Chris Carter was a fucking dominant wide receiver when he played. He was a hell of a fucking receiver. Andre Reed, I mean. Yeah. So, it's it's not like he was going against crummy competition as far as, like, who was eligible that year? I mean, and come on. You have Bruce Smith, Derek uh, Thomas, and Rod Woodson. Right. He's not going to get in over those three. So the only one you could make an argument for would be the Rand, would be Randall McDaniel. So right. he's not getting in yeah. over those other three. So yeah. So yeah. I mean, it, it's it's just one of those things. And like, I'm sure if we looked at well, here, 2010 ballot. Where's To on that list? Where's his stats? Uh, To's not To. Wasn't eligible, I think, until oh, it's right later. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Shane Sharp. He 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 just he had ten thousand sixty yards receiving. Yeah, sixty-two touchdowns. Blah blah blah. You know, I mean, one other quick thing about that two thousand nine ballot. Everybody, all the fifteen finalists on that ballot are in now. Have since been inducted, except for Bob Kuchenberg. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Then you look. So at looking at looking at looking at two thousand ten, clearly. He wasn't going to get in over Emmett Smith or Jerry Rice, so or John Randall. So the the other two there would be one of those two guys you could maybe say, but he's not getting in over Emmett Smith or Jerry Rice or John Randall. So right. 
And then here's the and year you have Tim Brown and Chris Carter on that list too. Yeah, and Chris Carter's still been snubbed. Like he's still not. Well, I mean, he is now, but Chris Carter got in. Yeah, but I mean, Chris Carter was on the ballot at least four years before. All right, he in got 2011, in. he's not getting in over Marshall Falk or Deion Sanders. Well, Shannon Sharp did get in on two. Okay, so that's the year. Okay, right, and then Deion Sanders, Marshall Falk, Richard Dent. That was a good. I remember that. That was a good Hall of Fame thing that year because I like Marshall Falk, Dion, and Sharp. Chris Carter still didn't get in in 2012. How about 2013? Did he get in 2013? I don't know if you saw it there, but on the 2011 ballot, that was pretty interesting, too. You had Jerome Bettis, Marshall Falk, and Curtis Martin all his first-time eligibles that year. And, of course, they were all running backs. They only only elected one of them that year. Well, but they picked the right one. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would I would probably say so, but I'm just saying it's like that kind of goes to show you how like they don't they oftentimes won't induct multiple guys right. from the same position. So like in 2012, which is Curtis stupid, Martin but whatever. In. in 2012, Curtis Martin gets in, but Jerome Bettis doesn't. I think Bettis got in in 20. No, you Bettis didn't even get in in 2013. So let's see. Oh, rid of that extra zero because you said he was eligible in 2015, right? Yeah. Who's that? T.O. T.O. Uh, no, 2016, I think, would have been his first year eligible. Yep, there he is. Yep. Yeah, so, 1,280 yards receiving. Why don't I see him? Why am I blind? You're around 2015 still, Jeremy. Oh. It didn't take. So, so, so 2016, T.O. hits the ballot, and Marvin Harrison is still on the ballot. Right. Marvin Harrison should have got in ahead of him. Yeah, they they put Marvin Harrison in that year, which was Marvin Harrison's third year on the ballot. Right. So you're not going to get in over Brett Favre. You're not going to get in over Marvin Harrison. I don't know who Orlando Pace is. Orlando Pace is maybe the best tackle in in NFL history. So And Kevin Green is still in there, so you're not getting over Kevin Green. He had been on the uh, ballot for years by then. Yeah, they, they finally put Kevin Green in that year. It's like Kevin Green. Scroll, don't, don't, go, don't click yet, Jeremy. Scroll down more on that one. So which players did they – they only elected three, four players that year? Yep. Yeah, because See, that's, when they, that's when they were still doing, like, coaches, owners, executives, and, mm-hmm. and with the finalists list like that. They, they've since changed that now. But yeah, so they only actually inducted four players that year because they inducted Tony Dungy, right? And Edward DeBarlow Jr. So Terrell technically could have been drafted, you know, elected that year. To be honest, I mean, his stats, yeah, yeah proved that he could have been drafted. Yeah, I mean, yeah, not so drafted. Let's look at 2017. Let's see who. So I saw they, that. they probably said that we're putting Marvin Harrison in this year, so we're not putting To in too. Oh, and then Isaac Moore, this Isaac Bruce. Morton Anderson. This was uh, Terrell Davis. Yeah, see, Isaac Bruce didn't get in. He has, well. LaDainian Tomlinson, Kurt Warner. They put two running backs in that year. See, Kurt Warner, I think that was the first year that he was on the ballot. I didn't see him on last year on the 2016. He he wasn't a – yeah, no, he was on the 2016 ballot. He was on the 2016, Jeremy. Oh, was he? Yeah, the only, the, only, the, only, the only guys on 2017 who were first-time eligibles who were inducted were Jason Taylor and LaDainian Tomlinson. So, um, so it's, it's hard. You can make an argument to say Terrell Owens over Kurt Warner. 
Uh, I mean, they could have added Terrell Owens and I and kept Kurt Warner, but that's just them. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but they put Jerry Jones in. <laughs> yeah. so the ironic thing is, is if you advance it to 2018, they put T.O. and Randy Moss and in. And Randy Moss in at the same, on the same year. Oh, yeah. That's the year they put both. Burlocker, too. Yeah, yeah both linebackers. This, was a, great, this was a great class because you had yeah. Brian Dawkins in there, too. I was like, yeah. yeah. Two two wide receivers and two linebackers. Yep. Yep. Well, because the two linebackers were both, you know, Ray Lewis and Brian Urlacher. They were both first year eligible. So, yeah, I guess they felt like they both uh, were worthy of it. So, so yeah, you could make it, you could make an argument for T.O. definitely being a first round if they wanted to put another guy in. But, you know, however they work it, they didn't. Shannon Sharp's harder because of who was in each ballot. You know, it's, it's very tough. Like they, those guys that do that voting have a very, very tough decision to make on who's going to be in. Could they put more guys in at a time? Sure. Of course they could, but then it wouldn't be as special as it is to make the hall of fame. So well, this is kind of interesting too. 2019, they put in three defensive backs, two of whom were first time eligible. Those two guys were Champ Bailey and Ed Reed, and they also put Ty Law in that year. That's that's kind of funny then that they put three defensive backs then. Man, that is interesting, especially those three. I mean, not that that none of not that all three aren't worthy, but just that's very odd. And then in the yeah, and then the twenty twenty ballot, which you know they finally the, these guys finally got their induction last week. Well, well, yeah, but what I was pointing out is that they once again elected two defensive backs. One was Steve Atwater, who'd been waiting a long time. Yes. And the other, and the other was Troy Palomalu, who was in his first year of eligibility. And then on this year's ballot, uh, like this year's induction class, they again had two defensive backs. They finally put John Lynch in, and uh, Charles Woodson got in too on, on his first year of eligibility. They put three guys um, – hmm. One, two. There were four guys who were in their first year of eligibility who made the 15 finalist list, and they inducted three of them. Those three were Calvin Johnson, Peyton Manning, and Charles Woodson. The one guy who didn't get in was Jared Allen, who will probably eventually get. So here's here's uh, something with the election committee. <clears throat> so uh, this is current too. There's 49 people. So it is the committee consists of media from each pro football city, LA and New York get two representatives um, and then 17 at large um, selection committee members. And then one representative from the pro football writers of America and the selection committee, uh, we know they meet before Super Bowl. Um, there is no set number of any class of enshrinees, but the committee's current ground rules do stipulate so there's really no. They could put in many as many as they, they want they, to. As, as many as they want, but oh, really? current I, always thought, I always thought that it was like they couldn't put in more than five. Well, from from the, from the list of fifteen, you know. So yeah, so what what it is is that there was no set number of class uh, of class and shrines, but the committee's current ground rules to stipulate that between four to eight new members will be selected each year. Hmm. Every candidate is carefully scrutinized and must receive at least 80% approval of the selection committee at the annual meeting. Um, 18 finalists include 15 modern era nominees, one coach, one contributor, and one senior nominee, 
Coach, contributor, and senior finalists are selected by a nine-person committee appointed from the full selection committee. Um, and it's very rare to see the people who those committees put forth not get selected because they usually take this um, position that like, well, these guys have been more closely scrutinized or had to go through a more rigorous thing to even be put forth. Mm-hmm. So they usually don't say no. So like, so like on 2021, Bill Nunn was the contributor nominee. He was selected. Drew Pearson was the senior selected. Yeah. He was. That was the first was year for that too, by the way. Yeah, and Tom Flores was the coach nominee, and he was selected. Yeah, they they've changed it around. How they have well, not so much with the senior nominees, but with like non-players, so like yeah. contributors, coaches, executives. They've they they've switched around how they did that, and then of course, you know, last year they had that big senior committee where they like they inducted a bunch of people from like all because they were doing like the whole like hundred year thing they 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 expanded like the list of like you know coach contributor and senior nominees and they they selected a quite a few of them but they still didn't put some in like drew pearson was on that last year they didn't get him he didn't get in last year but they put him in you know this year uh poor roger craig is still still waiting because he was on that expanded senior committee last year but but he didn't get in and then like um some of the guys who were on that expanded coach thing last year were, well, they, they selected Bill Cower and Jimmy Johnson, but you also had Don Coriel, who's been a finalist many times and has never gotten elected. And yeah. Tom Flores, who then got in this year, they also had Mike Holmgren, Dan Reeves, and Dick Vermeil. So, uh, and they finally elected uh, George Young, who was the Giants general manager for years, and it was largely credited with uh, rescuing them from their uh, 1970s mediocrity. So, uh, and they put in like Steve Sable, who was the NFL films guy. So they, they've changed things. Yeah, they, they've changed things around. But the 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 main process for like inducting, you know, like the five guys has been fairly steady. Um, and you know, it's always interesting to see who they do and don't put in. And it's like, oh my god, this guy's been waiting for a while. Are they finally going to put him in, or you know, yeah, you can see every year. It was cool when Edrin's like, I went from gold teeth to a gold jacket. <laughs> yeah, it was. I like that. I like that. So right. D- Tony Dungy has a vote. Oh, interesting. So he's one of the at-large guys. Tony Dungy, Dan Fouts, James Lofton. Well, those Peter are all King, of course. Yeah, Peter yeah. King, Bill Polian as well. I was going to say, well, like, you know, Dungy, James Lofton, Dan Fouts, I mean, they're all in the Hall of Fame, so maybe that's why they get those votes. I don't know. Maybe they're the representatives picked from the Hall of Fame to, to levy a vote. Yeah. 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 All right. So with all that being said, I wanted to show you guys this because I got this sweet shirt from my family for Father's Day. It is I don't know Dadalorian. about the, the Dadalorian. I don't know about handsome, but hey. <laughs> so i thought it was really cool um little play that is cool actually so um my wife was rushing to make it she messed up the back she felt really bad so i went and remade it so it was and plus it had a weird typo it said um what does it say it says like a dad just way mightier 
it said just a way mightier. I was <laughs> like, what? Like that a doesn't belong. That doesn't read grammatically correct. I'm like, who the hell? If Jeremy this? noticed, then <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I didn't write this. Like, if I really would have messed it up. No. <laughs> so it was a cool gift. Um, no, that's cool. for for Father's Day. I also got another shirt. Jill made me my my wife made me two shirts. The other one is uh, dad jokes are how I roll, and I is spelled E Y E, the I roll. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. So, Didn't so I uh, with that. Not that this. I already told Joe this, and not that this is necessarily something that Pat and Jeremy will will. But the the other Pat that we're friends with. Yes. Mr. I actually call him Funko Pop Pat. Yes. He has yes. 1,700 Funko Pops, guys. God. Yeah, I know like, him and his wife are like mag collectors insane. of the Funko Pop. I, I have I remember, like. I remember he showed us all of his wrestling figures way back in the day. I have, like, I have like 300, and I think Joe's maybe in the neighborhood of me. So if you took me, Joe, and my friend Jay, added all of ours together and multiplied it by two, Pat still has more than us. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah, that's he insane. Said the, man. He, he said the value of his collection is forty-five grand. <laughs> well, yeah, and he is for those of you out there. Really he goes to these comic cons and gets the special editions. Like he doesn't just go to like New York Comic Con. He goes. He has and he has connections at the other yes. comic cons to get the ones that are out in California and like all these different I, exclusives that nobody can I, get. Actually, my wife actually got, she actually found one that he does not have. He specifically asked me to get this one for her, for him. And she got it in like yesterday and she's going to get one for him. And she's, there's one for him and one for Joe. So. Yeah. It's just crazy, but add to that yeah. special collection. Yes, uh, so we'll give a shout out to him. They have their own um, Facebook page, and I just got I gotta find it so I give everybody the. Uh, well, he does a podcast. It's like the Average Guy podcast, or like it's something. Mediocre he's, show. Mediocre show. Yes, he's on the podcast, the Mediocre Show, as well as him and his wife have a Funko dedicated uh, Facebook page and website. Um, they're Facebook page is Funko Fanatics, Funko News and Reviews. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, their web page is uh, FunkoFanatics.com. So it all ties in. It's just it, like if you want to know something going on with Funko and a pop coming out or any kind of thing like that and see some other collection and shit, like it's on there. Like, so if you're a Funko fanatic like uh, Joe and uh, AJ um, are, that's where you want to go. That's like the place he, to go to find he, out about Funko. He takes, he takes his out of the box. Me and Joe don't take ours out of the boxes. <laughs> yeah. I'm afraid to. <laughs> Sad to say. <laughs> Sad to so, say I'm afraid to. All right. So on that note, we're going to thank everybody for tuning in. Thank everybody for when you get a chance to listen to this on the audio version, wherever you're catching that. We appreciate you listening. Uh, and we're going to say good night. We have a special, special, special on Saturday, SummerSlam. Yes. Yes. And we'll be here on Saturday well, be that live. Special, but... Wow. watch SummerSlam and commentate on that thing that 
Well, we don't know how that's going to be yet. We'll yes. find out. <laughs> may or may not be a train wreck. I'm, so. I'm going to sit here and eat nachos. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll get the wings. You have the nachos. I'll have the wings. Okay. All right. So on that note, okay. thanks for watching, everybody. We do appreciate it. And we'll say good night, good afternoon, and good morning. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Toodle.